Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you have a great Memorial Day weekend. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant, and I'm so glad that you have joined us for church today. So Mother's Day afternoon, I went home after preaching, and I made the mistake of looking in the mirror. I don't know where it came from, but above the top of my lip was not a mustache, but there was a bright purple something. I have no idea if it was a food allergy or an injury, but I looked like I'd either been drinking far too much grape juice from a very large glass or it looked like clown makeup gone horribly, horribly wrong. Well, here's what I knew. I I had not had any grape juice and I don't like clowns, so I had no explanation. There was just this big purple smear over top of my lip. And I began to notice something over the following days. People would talk to me, but inevitably, they would begin to focus in on this mark on my face. Apparently, it was quite mesmerizing. One person in a store actually said, "Uh, excuse me, but you got something right here? And I said, I know. And then there was this weird, awkward silence like you just experienced. And over the days that followed, it seemed like the people were talking more to the mark than anything else. It became a focal point. I'm glad that it eventually went away so people could get back to talking to me instead of talking to it. In the first century, the people of Jesus had a mark. In the days that followed the resurrection of Jesus, the Roman Empire began to pursue and persecute the followers of Christ. Their goal was to debunk the resurrection, and so the government turned up the heat on this group that had become known as the Way. Before they were known as the church, they were known as the way. You can find that in Acts chapter 9, verse 2. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus was the way. His followers became known as the way because they were following the way of Jesus. So with bounties on their heads and the Romans breathing murderous threats down their necks, the early Christians found a novel way to identify themselves to each other. This movement was growing really, really fast, so they developed a way to connect with new members of the family of Jesus. Earlier in the series, one of the fish stories we told was how Jesus said to his followers, I will make you fishers of men. So the symbol of the fish became an early indicator of the family of God. And this is how it would work. If a disciple of Jesus encountered a stranger that they thought might be a part of their spiritual family, but they wanted to be careful because of the Roman oppression that was happening, they would do this with either their finger or their foot. They would make an arc in the sand or in the dirt. And if the person that they had met completed the arc and made the symbol of a fish, then they knew they were safe to talk about the things of Jesus. Pretty soon, this ancient image began to show up and mark gathering places as the new church began to grow. Here's another picture of an ancient rendering of that particular fish symbol. So whenever you saw a fish symbol, you knew that the people of Jesus were worshiping and serving and creating community. Well, this symbol is still around today. Many of you have seen this kind of a symbol before. Perhaps you've seen it on the back of a car or in an advertisement for a local business. I recall a moment when I was driving on the guide and someone cut me off. I honked my horn to let them know that I was there, and I got flipped off. And to make it worse, there it was, the symbol of God's family right on the back of that car. 
I'm sure some of you have that symbol on your car. And if you do, remember, you are a driving representation of Jesus. Be nice, okay? If you didn't know, this is called an ichthys. The word ichthys is the, the corresponding letters from the Greek words, and each of the first letters of those particular words create the meaning of this symbol. Ichthys stands for this. Jesus Christ, anointed Son of God, Savior. It's not just a symbol. It's a statement about the deity of Jesus. And that's the declaration that we make today and every day. Jesus is the anointed Son of God, our Savior. The book of Acts in the Bible tells us in amazing detail how these original people of the fish made an impact in their community and around the world. I believe their example can still inspire us today as we tell another one of those fish stories. Let's take a look at the people of the fish. Let me give you four markers that made them and distinguished who they were. First of all, they were faithful to the message. And I would add to the words of that reality that they were faithful and they were forthright and they were fearless. In the face of persecution, where their lives were on the line every single day, the disciples of Jesus overcame their human fear and they spoke up. They told the story of Jesus in a fearless way. Listen to this story from Acts chapter 2 that happens right in the center of Jerusalem. I want to remind you again, the heat was on this group of people. There was a cost for speaking up, and yet this happened. The Bible says, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the, the crowd. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And then Peter wraps it up with this. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. This moment was not some quick clandestine gathering of people of the same mind. This was a public forum in the exact same location where Jesus had been put on trial. And it happened just weeks after Jesus had been executed and raised from the dead. The Roman government was putting the heat on and this little group of believers did not shrink back or pull a punch. They spoke the truth. I want you to notice something here. This message was bold, it was contextual, and by that I mean that Peter shared the message in a way that the culture understood, and finally it called people to action. In front of this hostile Jewish crowd, Peter, the same man who had disowned and denied Jesus, stands up and he addresses their religiosity and their hypocrisy. He says, you actually crucified Jesus. But this is what I love about the message. Peter doesn't just condemn them and then walk away. And he opens the door with truth. He shares with them, people, this may be hard for you to understand, but this was all God's plan. You killed Jesus, but God brought him back to life. 
You thought the story was over, but it was actually just beginning. And then he says, this was our experience. We saw him die, but we've also seen him since he was raised to life. We ate with him and talked with him. We watched him ascend back into heaven where he now sits at the right hand of the God of heaven. He's poured out the Holy Spirit on his followers. And that includes a spirit of boldness and truth. And we are bearing witness to the fact that not only Jesus is alive, but he's the Messiah that you've been waiting for. This bold message calls people to action. He actually says, today, right here, right now, you need to give your heart and life to Jesus. Listen to their reaction, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Oh, we need a dose of this kind of boldness, don't we? We all need to hear this today. When we are faithful in sharing the message of Jesus in the context and in the world that Jesus has placed us in, the Holy Spirit works. We might not get to see the end of the story on this side of heaven, but we have the promise of God that when we share our faith in Jesus, that he will work. I've been so encouraged lately. A few weeks ago, we did a message on the power of sharing our faith. And ever since then, I've been hearing stories about people taking risks and boldly sharing their personal journey with Jesus. Now, here's what I can tell you. Not every story ended with the person who heard the message of Jesus giving their hearts to Christ. Not all the stories ended that way. But every story did end with the person who shared experiencing the blessing of God because they were simply faithful to the story. I want to challenge you again to be bold in sharing your story of how Jesus has changed your life. And that's the key. We don't just share about Jesus. This is not about just sharing biblical, historical, trivial facts. No, we personally share about all that Jesus has done in transforming our lives. We talk about the difference he's made in us. It's personal. We're getting ready to release a podcast this coming week with uh, an amazing lady. Her name is uh, Deb Deborah Rosencrantz. Deborah boldly shares her story in this podcast. I tell you, she talks about the brokenness of an eating disorder. She talks about enduring an, ab an abusive relationship. So many other challenges. She shares about all of this brokenness, but then... Out of that brokenness, she also shares all that Jesus did in giving her her life back. Not many of us know Deborah. In, in Germany and France, she's actually, she's actually very, very well known. And her story could be about so many things, but it's about the message of Jesus. And she shares the message of Jesus and how God is using that very story to inspire others to cling to the same hope that saved her life you know, it really comes down to a simple question. Can I share the message of Jesus with you? Here's another way to put it. Can I share the most important part of my life with you? These original fishers of men were faithful to that message. 
no matter the cost. And I want us all to stop and think for just a moment. The original followers of Jesus were willing to give their lives to share this story. How about you? Secondly, the people of the fish were intentional in community. This group of people knew they couldn't survive on their own. It was impossible. They knew they actually needed each other in order to fulfill their purpose as followers of Christ. You've heard me say this before. I'm going to say it again. Following Jesus is a team sport. We need each other. We need each other. Each one of us has a distinct role. And God says we are all together in one body. And that body has one purpose. And that's to glorify God. Listen to how this particular family, these people of the fish, lived out their mission for each other in an intentional community. Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Every day they continued to meet together. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke breads in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. As modern followers of Jesus, there's a part of our life that, that battles intentional community. We pride ourselves in being something self-sufficient, right? I'm good on my own. I don't need anybody else. I'm just fine. And we're blinded to the fact that we're also a little bit self-absorbed, right? Jesus wants us to see more than just ourselves. He wants us to see ourselves as part of a bigger family. Let me encourage you by sharing a story about another part of our family on the other side of the world. So several years ago, as part of a missions offering, you as a church gave towards planting house churches in a fairly remote area of Thailand. As a church, you invested in those house churches. We gave money to look after the spreading of the gospel on the other side of the globe. Well, that little group of people has been very, 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 very busy. We heard that just a few weeks ago, this little group of people had the largest public baptism in Thailand's history. Let me show you a picture. Let me show you a picture. That is 1,794 people getting baptized in one service. Almost 1,800 of them. Look at the joy on her face. And in Thailand, coming to Christ costs you everything. You know what's amazing about this group? They finished this baptism, went north a little, bap a little, north a little bit more, and baptized 1,200 more. Just around 3,000 people. If you've read the book of Acts chapter 2, this amazing thing happens. It says about 3,000 people were added to their number in one single day. We're seeing it happen again. And this is our family intentionally reaching out. You know how they do it? They meet together, they eat together. They learn about Jesus. They live and survive together. This is what I know. Loneliness is unprecedented in our world right now. And do you know what the solution is? Us. 
It's the people of Jesus being aware of this trend and opening the door to relationship by asking a simple question. Would you like to connect? Would you like to connect? It's asking the question, how are you? And actually waiting for a response. We're so programmed, right? This is how it works. We walk past somebody, how you doing? What do we expect to hear? I'm fine. We wouldn't even notice. We wouldn't even notice if we walked past them and said, how you doing? I don't know. <laughs> Thinking about freaking out right now. We wouldn't even notice. Why? Because we're just so used to it. How you doing? I'm fine. The heart of would you like to connect, ask the question, and then actually waits for a response. It's an invitation to share life together. This is an intentional act of not becoming ingrown and self-centered. This is an intentional act of keeping the arrows of our attention pointed out to reach the people that Jesus wants to reach through us. The third mark of this original group of fish people, they were strategic in sharing. Listen to this, Acts 2.44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Boy, that seems so small, so insignificant, but it was so powerful. This group of people became strategic sharers. They used their resources to make sure that everyone was okay. They sacrificed for their community and for each other. They shared time, experience, food, hospitality, physical labor. And they also then got to experience the blessing of true family and true fellowship. They offered all they had to each other. And in doing so, this is what happened. They offered it to God. We learned in another fish story what happens when we offer what we have to God. When we give what we have to God, he multiplies it and miracles happen. That was the whole point of the feeding of the 5,000. This group of Jesus followers learned how to ask a simple question. What do you need? What do you need? Let's put that in our context. Do you need someone to talk to? I can listen. Do you need a place to go for Christmas? Well, we'd love to have you join us. Do you need a job? Well, let's try to find something together. Do you need a ride? I can help. Do you need a meal? We can share. Do you need hope? Well, guess what? I know a God, a Jesus, who's the hope in every single situation. I want to challenge you again to look beyond yourself, to see a need and meet it together in the name of Jesus. You go, I don't know where to start, Grant. There are people in the middle of the commons that would like to talk to you about doing exactly this. Last one. The people of the fish were marked by the fact that they were humble in the face of human favor. It's amazing to me. You read Acts chapter 2, here's what you realize. The original people of the way were very unpopular with the local government. They were trying to squelch them and get rid of them. But at exactly the same time, they were experiencing the favor of all the people. The whole community was watching what they were doing, asking questions. Why are you being so bold? Why are you sharing? Why are you looking after people that nobody else wants to look after? And I want to remind you, this group was doing this under the threat of persecution every single day. But their worship and love of Jesus, their caring for their community, and their reputation for practical love, it created an outcome. 
Acts 2.47, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And here was the result. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Every day. New people coming to Christ. Why? Because a group of people decided to do more than just play church. They lived out their mission as the people of God. For the last few weeks, Pastor Wendy's been talking about our community partnerships, how, how we share opportunities with you so we can impact our community. Our community partnerships are our expression of God's love to the community in which God has placed us. Why do we have a farm and feed hungry people? Because that's what Jesus would do. Why do we host Kids in Motion? Because that's what Jesus would do. Why do we partner with the Lighthouse Mission in providing warm housing during the winter to people who need shelter? Because that's what Jesus would do. Because we are fulfilling our purpose in serving the community that Jesus has placed us in. And it really comes down to a simple question. How can we help? How can we help? I started paying attention to the power of that question. As we live in a world where there's so much grief and pain and uncertainty, this question changes the spiritual landscape. I was talking on the phone to a lady last week. Her dad passed away. She was looking for a place to do a memorial service. And that's where we started. How can we help? And she started to cry on the phone. And she said, thank you for being kind. How can we help? Here's the story that came out. Her dad was actually a long-standing Bellingham fire chief. He helped bring 911 to this county. He started a program called Medic One that we see driving on our streets, taking people to the hospital with life-saving measures in the back of an ambulance. This man helped so many. And now through the love of Jesus, we get to continue that legacy and help. And when we do, you know what happens? It builds favor with the community. At the beginning of the message, I told you about this weird discoloration that happened on my face. People just kept staring at this thing. They made comments about my flaw. Hey, Grant, uh, you got a little something right there. I'm like, I know. <laughs> but it's made me wonder. Is there a focal point in my countenance and in my soul that is so connected to my Savior that when people look at me, all they can see or fixate on is Jesus? How about you? Is there something that, that, that's so central to who you are that people's eyes are drawn towards it? Is there enough Jesus in us that there's a focal point to draw the eyes of people? Are we so in love with Jesus? Are we so faithful in sharing his message, both through words and works? Are we intentional in bringing people into the community of faith? Do we strategically share in all that we have and all that we are? And are we humble in the face of human favor? Is there something about us that just, that just says, it's Jesus? 
It's Jesus. It's not us. It's not me. It's Jesus. What you're seeing is Jesus. What caught your eye is Jesus. So here's my question on Memorial Day weekend. Are we truly people of the fish? I was out at the farm the other day with some of the volunteers. You want to you know what I wanted to say to all of them? Boy, I can see Jesus in you. I felt like saying, hey, hey, you've all got a little bit of Jesus over here, but it's okay. No, leave it alone. Leave it alone. It's perfect. Don't wipe it away. I ran into some friends from the Lighthouse Mission the other day. I was downtown, and I just wanted to say to them, hey, I know you've gone through some rough stuff, but we see Jesus in all of you. Thank you for living out the symbol. I think we need to wrap up our time today celebrating the Jesus that it can inspire all of this love and service. Jesus is restful and passionate. His sandals are worn out from walking in the world while not being of the world. He's perfect and yet relatable. He's stable and yet strong. He's truthful and tender. He's full of conviction and compassion. He hears the invisible and he hears the unspoken. He knows the pain, but he never pulls away. Jesus was completely holy and completely human. He is glorious and he is God and he is calling us into a moment where we need to speak of him, preach of him, love like him, walk like him, talk like him, and not apologize. He loves those who don't love him in return, and he's waiting right now for one more person to call on his name. And no matter what they've done in their past to reject him, he moves in kindness and salvation because all he wants to do is save and heal. And you can know him. You can know Jesus Christ, anointed Son of God, our Savior. I know some of you are like, Grant, that sounds highly aspirational. Like, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. Can I remind you of something? God never calls us into something that we can't achieve through his strength and his power. God is calling us into this reality. He's calling us into his family And we actually have another promise. Jesus said that we would do even greater things. Not greater things to draw attention to ourselves. Greater things to give more people in Whatcom County an opportunity to come to him. I'll close with this thought. There are over 220,000 people in this county that don't know Jesus. Can you wrap your head around that number? God has asked us to be active in bringing his saving message to them. If they can do it in Jerusalem, we can do it here. May God find you faithful on this Memorial Day weekend to use every opportunity you have to speak of Jesus, the King of freedom, and the King of hope. Church, would you stand with me as we close? 
We're going to pray in just a moment. If you're watching online for wherever you are, maybe you're camping with your family. We're so glad that you chose to join us from wherever you are today. If you have a prayer request, you can take it right now to prayer.ctk.church and our prayer army would love to pray for you. And for those of us that are here in the room today, let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you have called us into this amazing mission. God, this week, may we be more, so much more than just people of the fish. May we be people of obedience. May we share the story of Jesus. May we share what we have. May we bring others into the family and may all of the glory go to you, our Savior and our King. Father, I thank you again for this incredible spiritual family who is making a difference. God, would you take us into a place where we can serve more and more, knowing that as we serve more, we'll get an opportunity to share more. We give you honor and glory today as the one to whom all of the glory goes. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, if you need prayer for anything today, the prayer team will be up here across the front. God bless you guys.